go with me to uh, the book of Psalms, Psalm 92 tonight. <clears throat> I want to share with you something that the Lord just showed me here in the last couple of weeks. It was encouraging to me, <clears throat> and um, I'm just hoping it will be to you as well. So Psalm 92, <clears throat> and uh, we're going to begin reading in verse number 12. If you're able, would you stand with me uh, as we read verses 12 through 15? Psalm 92, beginning verse 12, the Bible says here, The righteous shall flourish like the palm tree, he shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be fat and flourishing. To show that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. I want to just from these verses give you some promises that the Lord gives to the righteous. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. I pray that in these next few moments that you just speak to our hearts, that you'd encourage us, that you'd challenge and help us, Lord, uh, to see what you have for us and to apply these things to our lives. So we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you. So I was reading through this passage of scripture. I got to verse number 14. And I thought, boy, this should probably be my life verse. They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be fat and flourishing. What are you laughing at? I thought about that because I'm pretty confident that in old age I'll be fat. But I'm not sure about flourishing, you know. Uh, no, I, I was looking at this and, and just considering, really, the, the phrase that stood out to me was, they shall still bring forth fruit in old age. In old age. Uh, for several years, this might sound kind of morbid to you, but for several years, I've been a little bit jealous of Christians who die, what, at whatever stage in life, who die serving the Lord faithfully. And when I say that I'm jealous of them, I'm not just talking about the fact, well, they're in heaven and I'm not. There there is something to that, for sure. But one of the things that's a reality, when a Christian dies serving God faithfully, they have accomplished something that none of us have. They finished their race well. I've seen way too many Christians who start out strong and sometime later in life, whether it's moral failure, doctrinal failure, or where they just kind of give up on serving God and they close out their life really for a Christian in a sad way (laughs) where they were not faithfully serving in the end of their life. And so as I look at that, one of my great desires is, Lord, help me to serve you until my very last breath. Help me to remain faithful, even in my old age. Don't let me give up. Don't let me burn out or rust out or die out or whatever the case is. Help me to be faithful to you. I want to be more committed to serving God 30 years from now than I am today. I want to be faithful. And so I'm reading through this, and and it, it was like the Lord said, here's the key. 
they shall still bring forth fruit in old age. And that caused me to just really take a look at this passage, starting with verse number 12. The righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. And and I went through here and I identified three, maybe four, promises that the Lord gives to the righteous. And the first one is what I would call a promise of foundation because he says in verse number 12, the righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. The cedars of Lebanon uh, biblically were, are, are, are a picture of these large, well-planted, strong, powerful trees. And he says that the righteous can be like that. Unmovable, And then, of course, my mind went to Psalm 1, where it talks about the blessed man, that he doesn't walk in the counsel of the ungodly or stand in the way of sinners and all those things, right? His delight is in the law of the Lord. In his law doth he meditate day and night. And then it says, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. This is stability. It's, it's, it's someone who is unmovable, someone who remains through the winds and through the storms and through, the, you know, they don't just fall over and blow over. They're steadfast. There's a solid foundation there. And then there's another promise. It's a promise of fruit. So it's not only foundation, it's not only stability, but he says in verse number uh, 13, those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be fat and flourishing. In other words, these trees using that same analogy, are going to be healthy, not just the first year or the second year that they've been planted, but as time goes on and even as they get old, they continue year after year to bring forth leaves, to produce fruit, to flourish in the place that they've planted. I want my life to be successful and meaningful. And when I say that, I'm not talking about successful in the world's estimation or meaningful in the sense that I feel fulfilled in my life, but I want my life to count. I want it to matter for the kingdom of God, for the glory of the Lord. I want my life to make a difference for God and and, and for His glory. And God said that the righteous can be like that, not only having a firm foundation, but, but, but continuing to produce fruit throughout their lives. And of course, again, Psalm 1, right? That he shall be like a, a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in a season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. And that kind of brought my mind again back to Joshua chapter 1, where, where the Lord told Joshua, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, Why? He said that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then shalt thou make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. And so these promises of foundation and fruit go back to the meditations and and thinking on the things of God. But he said, you can be planted, you can produce fruit, and there's a promise of a future because he says they shall bring forth fruit in old age. 
This is not just something that's going to happen once or twice or, or, or early on in life, but continually through your life, you will be a consistent producer of godly fruit. Is this not what every Christian should desire? Lord, make me this person, right? But I want to show you that all of these promises come with a condition. The first condition is that you must be saved. You have to be righteous. Because it says in verse number 12, the righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. So this isn't talking about just anyone. These promises do not exist for everyone in the world. They are exclusive to those who know Christ as Savior. You say, well, how, how do you know that? Well, because the only way that a man can be righteous in God's eyes is to receive a, a righteousness that doesn't belong to him. You see, I cannot be righteous. You, you know, I can go and I can try to do all the right things, but I am not righteous apart from Christ's righteousness, which is given to me at the moment of salvation. Because God the Father made him, Jesus Christ, his son, to be sin for me, because he knew no sin, that I might be made the righteousness of God in him. When I received Christ, I received his righteousness, and now I am legally righteous in God's eyes. That's what I am. I am the righteous. And you are too if you know Christ. But if you're not saved, you're not righteous. You might be good, you might have good morals by man's standards, but you can only be righteous through Christ and through his shed blood. So you have to be saved. That's the first thing. If you're here tonight, this, I know this is very simple. If you're here tonight and you have not been saved, these promises don't apply to you yet. But they can if you'll receive the righteousness which is of God by faith. So you have to be saved. Secondly, you have to have a walk with God. Well, how can you say you have to have a walk with God? Notice what it says here. Uh, those that be planted, verse 13, those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. What is the house of the Lord in the Old Testament? It was the temple, wasn't it? It was that place in Jerusalem, that temple uh, was, was a, 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 a visible symbol of the presence of God dwelling among the people. And so as people would go to the house of the Lord, they would go to the temple, they were approaching unto the presence of God. Now, we understand that as New Testament saints, we have the indwelling presence of the Lord in our lives, right? We have the Holy Spirit living within us. But do you know that if I really want these promises to apply to me, I need to be walking daily in his presence? I need to have a walk with God. And so do you. You ought to seek the Lord's face. You ought to seek his presence every day of your life. You need to not only be saved, but you need to be drawing close to the Lord and walking in his presence. Again, going back to Psalm 1 and Joshua 1, what does it say? Psalm 1, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. He focuses his mind on God's truth. He meditates in it. He ruminates on it. He absorbs it. The Lord told Joshua, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. Thou shalt meditate therein. 
Meditate therein. What does it mean to meditate in the Word of God? Well, it, it has that idea. First of all, you're reading it, studying it, right? And then you're thinking on it. But you're not just thinking about it, you're also applying it because that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. Do you know what happens as I meditate on the Word of God and I apply it in practical, everyday life? And as I continue in a spirit of prayerfulness and I'm obedient to uh, 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 1 Thessalonians 5 where it says that I'm to pray without ceasing... In Philippians 4, that says, in everything by prayer and supplication, as I'm continuing, meditating in the Scriptures, applying them to my life, praying and talking to the Lord, you know what the outcome of that is? I'm walking in the Spirit. And if I'm walking in the Spirit, I'm not fulfilling the lust of the flesh. I'm being filled with the Spirit, according to Ephesians chapter 5. And I'm not grieving the Spirit, according to Ephesians 4. And so these promises that are given here apply to me when I walk with God. So you need to be saved, and you need to have a walk with God. But there's a third thing that I don't want you to miss, and I think that this is so vitally important, and it's something that is so overlooked among at least the broader spectrum of Christianity today. And that is this. You need to be, if you want these things to be true of you, you need to be faithful in God's house. Look what it says, verse 13. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Now I already told you that in the Old Testament... The house of the Lord was the temple. It was a visible symbol of the presence of God. I understand that today, if you are saved, whether you're in church or not, you are in the presence of God because His Spirit dwells with you and He promised, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. But did you know that that does not mean that you are the house of God? There is a separate house of God that is in the New Testament. What is it? Well, it's the scriptural New Testament church. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. Paul said that he was writing these things, hoping to come unto him shortly, but he said, But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. And as I meditated on these verses of Scripture, I thought to myself, of all the people that I've known, not all of them, but many of the people that I've known, that their lives have made shipwreck at some point later in life. And you know what? With almost, in almost every case, I can point to a time that their commitment to the Lord's house began to fail. What I really want to encourage you tonight, young people and old people and everyone in between, is this. If you want these promises of foundation and fruit and a future to be true in your life, not only do you need to be saved and have a walk with God, but you need to be committed to the Lord's house. You need to be planted in God's house. Do not underestimate the importance 
of the New Testament church in your life to help you stay on course for the Lord. You need it. Don't ever get to a point in your life where you feel that you don't need to be in church. Because you do. And so do I, by the way. And more than just being in church, you need to be plugged into church. (laughs) You need to be part of the body and functioning as part of the body. I love the wording, those that be planted in the house of our God. Uh, In other words, they've set down roots in church. Listen, can I encourage you to go beyond this mindset and this concept that it's okay to just be in church, and I'll be at this church until it doesn't quite suit my needs, and then I'm going to go be at this church. If God has set you in the body, He set you here because it pleased Him to set you here, and you need to be part of this body until God says otherwise. You need to be planted in the Lord's house. You need it. Your life needs it. Why? Listen, God gets glory from His church. Ephesians 3 and verse 21 says that unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end, amen. Listen, don't ever think that you are going to go and serve God outside of apart from his church. That's just not how he works. Now, I'm not saying when I'm talking about the church, you understand I'm not talking about this building. In fact, our service to God doesn't happen really in this building. Primarily, our service to God happens outside of this building. But it happens as we as members of His body work together to fulfill the Lord's will and purpose. Don't underestimate the value and the importance of the the house of the Lord in your life if you want to be a stable, fruitful Christian throughout the remainder of your life. You need God's house. You need God's house. Notice in verse number 15, this is what he says. Not only are they going to bring forth fruit, not only are they going to be planted and flourishing, but he says in verse 15, to show that the Lord is upright, He is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in Him. This is the outcome of a person who's planted in the house of the Lord. That their life shows forth his praises. Why would I want my life to matter? Well, so that it wasn't a waste, right? So that that I can come to the end of my life and feel like it was worth something. No, 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 no. My life needs to matter because he is worthy. He is worthy... Of my life. The world needs to see him. What did Peter say? You're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, that ye might show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. If you're saved, that's the purpose of your life, that you would show forth his praises, that the world could look at you and see him. That's what the world needs. That's, part, that's the reason that God saved you and left you here. That you would be the light to the world to show forth His light, to show forth His praise. And if you want to do that, and Christian, listen, if you're saved, that is your desire. If you have no desire to bring honor and glory to God, you better check your salvation. 
Because the Holy Spirit in you is going to give you this desire. And you say, well, I want to do that. I want my life to count for Him. Please don't underestimate the importance of the church in your life. You need the church. You need it. We are not just a bunch of uh, mavericks out there living on our own. God has saved us and He's placed us in His body, the New Testament church, where we can serve Him. And I just want to encourage everyone here. This was an encouragement to me. It was a help to me. Uh, those of you who are members of Mount Zion Baptist Church, don't take your membership here lightly. You matter. You're important in this body, but this body is important to you too. And don't underestimate that. Don't undervalue that. Those of you who are maybe guests and visiting with us here, can I just encourage you, wherever God leads you, get plugged into a scriptural church and serve God. If you want your life to be consistent and pleasing the Lord, not just today, but through the end of your life, you need the church. You need to be planted in the house of God and flourishing in His courts. And so uh, just, just a few thoughts really tonight to encourage you, if you want your life, if you want to receive these promises, the promise of a foundation, the promise of fruit, and the promise of a future, first of all, you need to be saved. Secondly, you need to have a walk with God. And thirdly, you need to be planted in the Lord's house.